Today, I want to speak to you for a few moments from the first Samuel, chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. And I want to use this just to be able to set the tone and set the foundation for the word that God's given me for you today. And it's, it's one that I've been living out and learning more about, becoming more aware. And it's something that I believe that all of us need to know more about and understand, and which will make sense in a few moments. But we read in 1 Samuel chapter 30, um, it's a very pivotal point, really, in even what looked, what is the lineage of Jesus, is we see that Saul, King Saul, who has been in a murderous rage to destroy David, is, comes to the end of 1 Samuel, and it comes to a battle. And in this battle is the Israelites versus the Philistines. And David is on the side of the Philistines. In fact, it's the battle where King Saul and his son Jonathan are murdered, are killed in battle. And in this, David is going to fight against his own people. But the Philistines say, no, you need to go back to your home. You see, David had, had to create a home for himself with what many believe is about 600 men and then including on that women and children and possessions and they had built themselves a community, a home that he had left to go and to fight. And the Philistines, they said, no, you need to go back home. We don't trust you enough because we think that you're going to attack us in the middle of this battle. So we pick up in verse one, it says, David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. That was their home. Now the Amalekites, which were an enemy, just like the Philistines that had been attacking the Israelites in the land of Judah, had raided the Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, which is a story for another day that a man had two wives. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him of killing him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're feeling and experiencing. But one thing I do know is that you can find your strength in the Lord your God. You can find your strength in Him. Even if you feel at the end of yourself, at the pit, in a dark place, you can find your strength in the Lord your God. And so David in this place, having lost everything, being risking, you know, being killed by his own people, his own men, what happens is he musters up the courage and he gathers the men together and they get back on the horse and they say, we're going after the enemy. And so along the way, they find this Egyptian slave that was a uh, belonged to the Amalekites and they convinced him to show them where is the enemy's camp. Where are they? So we pick up in verse 16. He led David down and there they were, 
scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they'd taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like the enemy is reveling in your loss? It is almost mocking you and what he has taken from you, feeling like that you're at such a loss and a pain and a grief and you've become bitter in heart because of the victory that it's, you have succumbed to because of the enemy's attack. It says in verse 17, David fought. He attacked. He went into battle from dusk until the evening of the next day and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off in camels and fled. And then verse 18 says this, and this is what struck me when I read these words. It says this, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. He recovered everything. He took back everything. Everything was restored. Everything was renewed. It was redeemed. Not one thing was lost, including his two wives even. He got them back. Nothing was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken, David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. I couldn't help be reminded as I was reading this scripture, God was speaking to me in my heart about a song back in the 1990s written about this own scripture itself. A song that you might have heard before. Maybe you've never heard it before, but it goes something like this. Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. That's enough singing. I took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. We need to take back that which has been stolen from us. That has been taken from us. That has been lost because of what we've gone through. It's time to take back that which has been taken from you. It's time to take back the life that's been sucked out of you, the faith that's been taken from you, the joy that's been lost because it's been so overcome with grief and loss and pain. It's time to be able to take back the gracious heart in which you once had that now may have become bitter. It's time to take back the kindness and generosity you used to live with, but instead through the loss and the trust and the being backstabbed and people letting you down maybe you've just taken that back from yourself it's time to take it back it's time to allow God to restore to you once again it's time to take back your children who once may have been under the church under the covering of Jesus Christ and now have been walking and misleading and going down a wrong path it's time to take them back in faith place them back under Jesus Christ it's time to take back that which the enemy has taken from you Amen. It's time to take it back. It's time to take it back. And I believe it's an action that we need to take. It's a mindset that we need to have. It's, it's been able to remind the enemy, you're under my feet. My God says that I am the head and not the tail. 
I am above and not below. My God says that if he is with me, nothing shall stand against me. We need, we need to get that confidence back in Christianity once again. We need to get confidence back in the church once again and let faith, faith rise within us and know that, that we may be under attack. We may be feeling defeated and depleted, but Jesus can set you free. Amen. Jesus can deliver you. He can redeem you. He can rescue you. He can restore to you that which has been lost. He can bring it back. He can renew it. He can redeem it. He can bring back that which the locust had stolen and eaten. He can bring it back. Why do you need God to restore in your life? What has been lost over these past three years, five years, ten years, twenty years that you, you've almost let die because it's been so long since you experienced it when God says, I'm bringing it back and I'm bringing you back. We want to see God do miracles where the dead are raised to life. How about he raises dead dreams to life again, dead desires to life again, dead in you that you have succumbed to religion and religiosity, but instead you need to have a fresh grace and understanding that it's today that the Lord has created me in you. We have the confidence, that, that unction in our spirit and believing God is doing something new and he's calling out of you what he placed inside of you, which is a faith that believes that God's called me. He's chosen me. He's prepared me. He's gifted me. He's equipped me. This is going to happen. I'm going to see it come to pass. You know, 2022... I experienced more being stolen from me and my family and our church than I'd ever experienced before. And I've become keenly aware of the enemy's attack. I have learned more about the enemy in this past year where I've learned how he operates, the schemes, how he infiltrates our mind and our life and our heart. And I believe that it's important to be aware. But at the same time as that grown in awareness, I've grown in faith and not fear. So many people are aware of the enemy and what happens is it causes them to be afraid. Thinking, oh no, if I try this, what happens if I'm faced with this and this and this? And here's what I've learned in this year and I believe it, it's a decision that we just need to make. It's a conscious decision. It's faith by action. It's, it's activating our faith. And I made a conscious decision. I'm entering this year stronger than I've ever entered a year before. I'm making that decision. I, I've, I've made that decision in my private, internal life, in my marriage, in my family, with my children, in our team, with our church, believing I'm, I'm entering this year healthier, wiser, more content, more assured of the Lord's calling. And here's the thing. I... I'm prepared to push forward an expectation that the enemy's attack is going to come. But I'm pushing forward. I am making decision that I am going to advance even in spite of the attack. I'm going to still push forward. I'm going to still push forward. I'm pressing forward an expectation that he will push back. And here's the, the decision. I'm going to lean on the word of God. I'm going to stand in the word of God. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be a part of a church that is dynamic, that is healthy, that is so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. 
in this land, in our land, our land, the nation of Ireland, where the enemy has reigned supreme for almost a thousand years. We believe, hey, you're not in, you're not in, I'm not in your land. You're in my land. I'm not in the enemy's territory. He's in my territory. And I'm taking it back. I'm taking my family back. I'm taking my household back. I'm taking my land back, my community back. I'm taking, it, I'm taking my life back. I'm not going to live under the, the thumb of the enemy. He's going to live under my feet. Because Jesus is the one who is supreme. He's the one who's the head of this church. He's the head of our nation. He's the head of our lives. And if he is for us, who can stand against us? How about you? Have you felt under a spiritual attack? It's very real. Have you felt some dark, disturbing things going on in your heart and mind? Have you, have you felt an experience maybe that, that pushback, that, that constant barrage of thoughts and what ifs and maybes? And have you felt condemned to the point where it's, it's allowed shame and guilt to rise rather than grace and mercy? Have you found yourself maybe reveling in what was destroyed and taken away from you so much so that you can't move forward? I want to encourage you today, it's time to take back that which the enemy has stolen from you. It's time to take it back. And you know what it is? It's a decision. It's a decision. Jesus Christ is the one who has already defeated the enemy. Jesus Christ is your rescuer, your redeemer, your restorer, your deliverer. We live under the victory that he he accomplished for us upon the cross. So therefore, why would we live in fear? Why would we live in defeat? Why wouldn't we step out in faith and believe that if God says it, it will be so. I will not doubt. I will not waver. I will not falter. I'm not afraid of an enemy. I, I don't care if an attack is coming because I'm ready. In fact, I'm prepared to walk into his camp and take back. I'm not even going to waste my energy once I've taken back, fearing about what may be taken from me, but I'm going to prevent him taking anything away again. Men in particular, this is a message for men that you need to hear and understand. Because you need to be at the foothold of your household. You need to make a decision, I am protecting my family in my home. I'm protecting my marriage. I'm protecting my friendships. I'm going to be a man of God. I said, I truly believe that. It's no, it's no difference in, in, in one sex over the other. I just truly believe as men in particular, because what's happened and seeped into our culture is creating weak, feeble, and meek men. Instead, we're, according to the Bible, we need to be men who are strong, who are courageous, who are not afraid, and, and protect our people. And so I want to look into this and look at who is the enemy? What are some of the signs of, of being under attack that we may be under today? And then what can we do about it? What has God given us in his word? What has he given us through his Holy Spirit? What can we do as we not only take back, but we, we prevent an attack? So we look at the enemy and 
understanding his attack, the Apostle Peter describes him in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Be aware. Not afraid, but, but be aware. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. C.S. Lewis said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. He added, you can give the devil too much or too little attention. Our world today is fascinated with the supernatural, with the demonic. But what's interesting, at the same time that they're fascinated in it, they do not believe that there is a devil, nor demons. We may believe that there's angels, but, but not demons. And what's happened is this culture and this way of thinking that society has gone has seeped into the culture of the church, particularly among younger Christians, among those who are maybe more immature in their faith and not developed. And what happens is we believe that in Jesus Christ and we have faith for Jesus, but what we miss and lose sight of is actually we have an adversary, an enemy. And Jesus, he, he made reference to this time and time again in, in the Gospels. In fact, 61 times he refers to the devil or the demonic. And in fact, in John 10.10, 10, he, he lays out for us the mission of the enemy is to, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now he's bringing us to an awareness of it, but not to live in fear of the enemy. For in fact, 1 John 4, 4 says that the one who is in you, Jesus, is greater than the one who is in the world. Yes. That we're not afraid nor discouraged, but instead we are full of faith because Jesus is the one who's living and active in us. And so I want to just share with you real briefly seven, I'll run through as with a time as best I can, run through these seven signs that you're under attack. To make it very practical, what, what does it mean to be under attack? What does it mean for the enemy to be advancing against me? What is it that I need to be looking out for? You know what, especially each and every one of us, you're asking the question, Lord, what do you need to reveal in me? Maybe that I need to, to let go of or to quit or to stop or to, or to start or to focus on. So to go through this and encourage you to note this in your heart and mind or write these down, but here's the first sign that you're under attack is experiencing a loss of spiritual desire. Spiritual desire, it's important. We don't base our faith in our feelings, but at the same time, we are to have a love and a desire. Just as a husband and wife have desire for one another, when the desire is gone, what happens is distance arises. And the goal of any spiritual attack is to draw us away from God is to be able to reduce our desire for him in such a way that it, that it distances ourselves from the Lord. What happens is we, it, it doesn't tend to be, you know, immediate, but it tends to drift in our desire, just slowly, surely. We drift away. Drift from him. You may be experiencing, in each of us, we experience trouble in our life, conflict, strife, in our marriage, in our homes, in our careers, in our, just in everyday life. And what happens when our spiritual desire has become lukewarm and has drifted, we struggle to go through those storms. But when our spiritual desire is on fire for Jesus and we are equipped in Him, and what happens when we go through those storms and those battles, the Spirit of God gives us strength to get through them. It doesn't diminish the battle. We each face difficulty in life. 
Being a Christian doesn't make anything easier, but it makes us more aware of the Spirit of God who can equip us and bring us through. Here's a second sign that you're under attack is physical and emotional exhaustion. Again, we tend to, as Christians, separate physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. But we are human beings. We are whole beings, spirit, soul, and body, interconnected with one another. And so what happens is, Corey Ten Boone famously said, if the devil can't make us busy, bad, he'll make us busy. Got that mixed up. If the devil cannot make us bad, he'll make us busy. If he can't cause us to sin, he'll aim to wear us out. What happens is we come physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted. It's in this place. He touches our spirit, depletes our spirit. When we're in this place where we feel like all our resources are emptied, what happens is, is then we, again, are under attack and it draws us away from God. And it's not just negative experience in our lives. It can be positive experiences where our life may be, feel like it's been full of, of good things like sport or activities or leisure or entertainment or friendships and relationships. And what happens is when these replace our spiritual desire, we need our physical, emotional, mental needs met by these things and our spiritual life begins to fall apart. What happens is, again, it draws us away and it causes us to be neutered and ineffective in our walk with God. Here's a third sign that you're under attack is a constant lack. This is when all of your resources start drawing up one at a time, where it feels like there's lack in every direction. Everything begins breaking down. The car breaks down, the boiler breaks down, the, the relationship breaks down, everything just, it's like a mountain on top of you. We need to be aware that, that something's at play here. Something's not right. We need to be aware, not just to look at the physical, but to look back in the spiritual. There's something going on in this. I'm not for a second saying that all your bills are demons and you need to cast them out because that would be amazing. Can say, no, that's not for me. <laughs> we need to steward and be wise and we need to do everything within our power that we can do. But at the same time, when we experience this constant lack and everything is breaking down, you need to ask what am I experiencing? Stop and realize that there's something going on. The enemy attacks in a way where oftentimes it comes through our provision and resources and more times than not to get us to focus our attention on money and not on God where we become our provider and God no longer is our provision. When we have this constant lack, it depletes us in such a way where it takes our eyes off what God has called us to do, which is to worship and not worry, which is to place our burdens on Jesus and not be anxious, to not be anxious about anything, but believe in prayer and petition that God will supply all our needs. To focus our mind on God's promises and not our problems. Here's the fourth sign, is a weak prayer life. Matthew 26, 40 says he returned, Jesus returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Prayer is a discipline, it's not a gift. It's a discipline. It's something you've got to work on. It's something you've got to develop. You have to carve it out. Take action. It takes faith and persistence. So where does this draw come 
towards that we all experience. But it's no coincidence when you sit or you start to pray or be in the presence of Jesus and your mind rambles off and it's like all of a sudden your attention is taken away. Your kids need you. Your, your parents need you. Your friends need you. Your work needs you. And all of a sudden it's a week a month, a year, and what you had set out to do in 2023 is now pushed back to 2024 because there's a draw within your spirit away from God and the things of God. That's why prayer is powerful. Why? Because when we set the time aside to pray, it's not our prayers that are powerful. It's the one we are praying to that is powerful. And when we're sitting in his presence and we're communicating with Jesus Christ and we're, we're, we're speaking with him and hearing from him, that's where the power of prayer comes from. Just sitting with him in the presence of God. To know when you are you experiencing ineffective and weak prayer life, for you to know that is one of the tactics of the enemy, to restrict the believer to think that this is all down to you, but to actually stopping and laying at the feet of Jesus and saying, God, it's all down to you. It strengthens your spirit. As Jesus says, your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When your spirit is strong, it gives your flesh another chance. Here's the fifth sign. Feeling overwhelmed and hopeless. Hopeless. Found this in my own life many times, certain moments, certain times where just felt hopeless. Discouragement of the heart is in scripture time and time again. It comes up, and often this is because of the circumstance that I'm experiencing. Oftentimes, more than not, when hopelessness arises, it comes from what's happened within our circumstance, within our family, within our life. The word circumstance comes from two Latin words. Circum, which means encircle, and stance, which means stand. A circumstance is something that I'm standing encircled by, that I am surrounded by this circumstance, that I'm surrounded by this pain, this loss, this suffering. David said in Psalm 27, verse 3, he says, Though an army besiege me, surrounds me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. When we feel overwhelmed and surrounded, we become fearful, we become hopeless, we become lacking in confidence. And this is when the enemy sows seeds of blame and bitterness, where we come to the place where we say, God, why would you allow this to happen? We become for so frustrated, say, God, why are you not moving? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not answering? And what's happened is we form a bad attitude and frustration and anger. It leads us to a place of hopelessness. What's the point of following God? It doesn't matter. You need to be aware of the enemy that's sowing those seeds. We need to be aware of the enemy who's playing within the playground of our mind. If you're discouraging, being discouraged and thinking about quitting or giving up or giving in, you need to know you're under attack. Be aware, not afraid. Recognize the attack so that you can respond in the way that God has given you to respond. Respond biblically. Respond by prayer and discipline and devotion. And time with him. Discouragement of the soul is where sin thrives. Here's a sixth sign. is a draw toward old sinful ways. The enemy will always attack you where he was last successful. 
Think about that for a moment. He attacks you where you're most vulnerable. He attacks you where it will hurt the most. Maybe pornography, drugs, jealousy, insecurity, sexual temptation, pride. Recognize when you are being drawn back, when that desire like just moves in you again. And, and what happens, and this can be an example, is that when old sin becomes exaggerated to the point where we remember the joy of the sin and we forget the consequence of the sin. Oh, I remember when I used to do that. That was fun or enjoyable. We forget about the hangover. We forget about the affair. We forget about everything that was lost in the midst of it. When you start thinking that way and that desire has been drawn up in you, know that that's the enemy. Because the enemy condemns, the Holy Spirit convicts. When you feel that draw towards old sinful ways, do not be deceived. But instead, cast out off your old self by finding your identity in Jesus Christ and say, that's not me anymore. I don't do that anymore. I used to, but I don't do that anymore. I found something else. I found something better. That used to please me and bring me joy, but that doesn't bring me joy anymore. This is what brings me joy. Oh, it's falling off the platform. Here's the seventh and final sign that you're under attack. is pulling away from godly relationships. Pulling away from godly people. It's often as a direct result of being under spiritual attack that you begin to pull away from the relationships that kept us encouraged and close to God. When, when you find yourself finding more in common and more in tune with those who are not believers or don't follow Jesus, and you might f- find more of a, a common ground b- between them than you do with like-minded, biblical, sound, theologically passionate Christians, know that there's something not right. Not for a second, don't say, don't have friends outside of church. That's, that's not at all what I'm saying. In fact, I found that when I am passionate for Jesus, I I'm actually attract those around me. I can have healthy relationships with people according to if we differ in our beliefs. But when you feel like and you are having your carnal desires fulfilled through relationships more than you have your spiritual desires being fulfilled through godly relationships, know that that is an attack of the enemy. There's a draw away from relationships. There's a pull away from community. There's, ah, I used to like going to church, but not so much anymore. Think about where that's coming from. When you begin to find enjoyment in those things and those people, know that that is drawing you away from God. When carnal desires replace your life source, it draws you away. One writer notes, your friends are a photograph of your future. So picture your future and surround yourself with friends who are going to get you there. Those are the seven signs that you're under attack. You you may be experiencing one or more. So here's the whole part. This is is the great part about Jesus Christ who calls us to recognize and be aware and to know the mission of the enemy, the thief, to steal, kill, rob, and destroy. But here we have responses. Responses are responding to being under spiritual attack, taking back what the enemy has stolen from us. So I want to share with you three responses. First one is the power of prayer. Take hold of the power of prayer. When I'm under attack, 
And I could share with you, this year entered into a stronger, you know, passionate, more determined, but experiencing more of a spiritual attack than I have experienced even last year. But I, I can experience it, but I can hold on to the power of prayer. I don't know about you when you have that place where you know you should pray but you don't feel like it and like to pray is like pulling teeth. What I found is worship in this space causes prayer to rise. Turning on worship in my car, in my my house, on my phone, everywhere I go, turn it on and I may not enjoy it, I may not, but something begins to rise. Your spirit begins to soften. Your heart begins to let go and and prayer begins to begin to say, God, I'm just so thankful for you today. I'm so grateful that I'm here today. God, I'm so, I know I'm feeling awful. I'm feeling rotten. I feel like the enemy's gotten in against me, but God, I thank you that you're the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my household. God, I thank you that you saved me. You gave me a second chance. I am a sinner, but I'm a sinner saved by you. I am one who's done wrong and lived in unrighteousness, but God, thank you that you've given me your grace, that I'm made right in your sight, and I can rightly live because of what you've done in me. You see, prayer causes us to open up our heart to God, to renew our mind. It speaks to us about who he's created us to be. See, spending time with the Lord prepares us and our spirit for the battle power of prayer may feel so simple yeah i know i should pray but do you know the prayer is powerful and it'll bring power against the attack here's the second thing is the power of partnership the power of partnership ecclesiastes 4 9 and 10 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down one can help the other up partner with other like-minded christians Be there to pick someone else up and be there to lean on someone else when you're down. Can't tell you the amount of times this last 12 months where I've I've had to lean on friends and godly relationships and just pick up the phone or meet people and just say, I'm struggling. Oh man, I'm struggling. Feeling like giving up. Feeling down. Feeling under attack. I need you. And receiving that encouragement, they're seeing and saying, I'm struggling too. Grieving together, mourning together, celebrating together, lifting one another up. What happens is your spirit begins to rise and say, I'm not alone. I'm not in this on my own. They're struggling too. We can do this together. It, It causes you to say, hey, this is just a season. It's just a phase. And this too shall pass. And there's light on the end of this tunnel. See, the power of partnership. That's why, that's why we need one another. It's the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of community. Church is not about worship and word. It's about being together in the presence of God, building one another up, and worshiping together and hearing the word together, but living it out together. The power of partnership is so crucial. And right now you may say, oh, well, I wish I had friends like that. You only need one. And it may not even be your best friend. But it may just be one friend who's like-minded, who's sound theologically, who's passionate for the Lord or God. I just need one friend. Hey, would you be my friend? Can we help each other? Maybe that's all that is. Here's the third and final thing. The response, the tool that God has given you is the place of power. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, 18. 
This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Does this sound like a place that will build you up or break you down? Does this sound like a place that will suck the life out of you or will give you life? Does it sound like a place as this church, a gathering together, a place that restores your soul, that revives your spirit? That's why church is so important. We need church today more than ever before. Isn't it amazing when you look at church history, in Ireland in particular, right up until the late 80s, whether it was good, whether it was right, whether it was wrong, that's not for us to make the decision on, but it was a part of our life. It was a part of our daily life. And then it was taken down, it was destroyed, so that Jesus Christ can rebuild it once again. Church is the place of power. The Holy Spirit resides here amongst us as he resides with us. But there's something about where two or three or 200 or 300 are gathered. I want to encourage you. Become rooted and grounded in the church. Don't become rootless and fruitless and just waving around and open and vulnerable to attack because you will. Become part of the place of power. I go to this church. My family come to this church. My marriage was restored in this church. I found Jesus again in this church. I don't know what it is, but I need it. I need to be here on Sunday because it helps set me up for Monday. It helps me get me ready for the week. We need to be in the place of power. This is just a room. It's just a room. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing holy about it. It's the people who sit in the room that are what are special. I want to encourage you, open arms. Our greatest days are ahead of us. I truly believe that. What's going to happen in the next 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, 48 months, we're going to be writing in the history books about? The question is, will you be part of it? God is Doing something new. We need to make the decision. We are advancing. The attack is coming. If it hasn't already, I'm aware of it, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm going to push forward in expectation that the attack is coming. I'm going to be prepared for it. I'm going to enter into the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back what he stole from me. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to see it restored. I'm going to see it renewed. I may have lost out on many things over the last 10 years, but God can do in one moment what 10 years could have accomplished. God can make new again within me and within my spirit where I'm a new man, where I'm a new woman. I may have a certain age, but in here and in here, I've got a new age. I've got a new dynamic. I've got a new vibrancy and energy. We need to lean into and take hold of the power of prayer, the power of partnership, and the place of power. I'm rooted here. I'm grounded here. This is where I am. This is where I'm going to be. I don't know where I might be next week, next year, but I'm going to be there in church on Sunday. I'm going to be there week after week after week after week. I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to make it something of value because it's not just something I come to. It's something I'm a part of. Something I'm a part of. Stay close to and stay committed to the place of power. 
regardless of the attack, you'll be set free. You will be delivered. It may be horrible in the moment. It may feel like the end has come. It may feel like everything is lost. God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Well, let's just close our eyes in this moment. No music. Just quiet. Stillness. Do you sense that you're under spiritual attack? Maybe there's certain certain things that you have opened through habits, through sin, through temptation that you've given into, and you've opened it up to the enemy. I've allowed it just to seep in. you make the decision today to give it to Jesus to allow him to redeem to replace those unhealthy habits with healthy habits the unhealthy thinking with right thinking biblical thinking and all it is is a decision I give it to you you may say I surrender I give you everything. And I ask you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord of my life. That might be a prayer that we prayed long ago. Many call it the salvation prayer, but you know what? It's the daily prayer. Be the Lord of my life. The Lord of my heart. If you want today to receive the protection and the power of Jesus Christ, would you just say these words with me? Jesus, I give you my life. I give you everything. Become the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.